0: Today we could, uh, today we're going to be preaching on a sermon entitled "Distractions." We all face distractions in life. As a matter of fact, I imagine that rope is a distraction for many of you today. It's meant to be a distraction at this moment to help make a point, and I'll use it later to make another point. But we have distractions in life, don't we? There are many life distractions. And if we're not careful, we can become so busy and so distracted that we settle for a life of mediocrity. That we settle for a life that fails to make a real difference for the kingdom of God. You see, we are a people who are called. Every single one of us in this room, we have a call on our lives. We're all commissioned to go and make disciples. Every single one of us have a call to love one another, and our neighbor as ourselves. Every single one of us have a call to be an ambassador of reconciliation. You see, we all have a call. We all have a purpose. And if we're not careful in this life, we can allow the stuff in life to distract us from that which is most important. We can become so busy with the things of time that we overlook the things of eternity. So busy making a living that we fail to realize the purpose of God for our lives. Think about that, teenagers. You have a purpose. God has created you for a purpose. You see, we're called. We're called to be His hands and His feet. We're called to love one another. To make allowances for one another to encourage one another. I don't know about you but I get really excited about God's call on my life. When you realize it, when you think about it, the creator of the universe who created you in the image of God. Think about that. You are created in the image of God. But every single one in this room And every single person that you will rub shoulders with in your life was also created in the image of God. When we realize that we are created and loved by God, and we realize everybody around us is created and loved by God, then all of a sudden we have this understanding of our responsibility to love one another. And yet there are these distractions in life that sometimes, if we're not careful, will keep us, from the purpose of God. You see, nobody goes into life desiring mediocrity. Nobody desires a mediocre marriage or a just-pay-the-bills kind of a job. No, with every beat of our heart, we desire something more. We desire that our life counts for something significant. So we say things like, someday I'm going to be financially fit. Someday, I'm going to be physically fit. Someday, I'm going to get my life together spiritually. Someday, I want my life to account for something great. But if we're not careful, we will allow the distractions of life to keep us from the purpose of God. And that's the central thought of this message today. Are you allowing the distractions of life to keep you from Accomplishing the purpose of God in your life? What are the distractions in your life that may keep you from running an effective race? Hebrews 12.1 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And you're saying, oh Rex, you've preached this message so many times. Actually, it's a whole new message now yeah, pretty much. But a whole different look at Hebrews 12, 1. Then it says, let us throw off everything that hinders. What are the distractions in your life that are keeping you from running the race? What are the things in your life that are hindering you from becoming the person of God that he's created you to be? Are there distractions that... In your life, that are keeping you from running an effective race for God? You see, distractions come in all shapes and sizes. And they come at all stages of our life. Distractions come in the form of plenty, and distractions come in the form of want. When you have lots of stuff, we become self reliant. And not God-reliant. When we lack stuff, we worry about not having it. It's not about whether you are rich or whether you are poor. It's not about what you have, but about who has you and what has you. You see, the scripture says, for wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Are there things in your life that's a distraction from the purpose of God? Distractions can also come in the forms of opportunities. Now, early on, I preached a message entitled Great Expectations. It was a series, and you might remember I quoted Leonard Ravenhill. Every opportunity has an expiration date, and the cost of missing out can be a lot greater than the cost of... Of messing up I love that You know one of the jobs that I worked Was construction right out of college And and one of the reasons The guy kept giving me raises His name was Tom Yarbrough Was because I was willing to take a risk I was willing to try something new The cost of messing up Was more significant Than the cost uh, Let me say it again here I got it all (laughs) turned around Where's it at? Uh, every opportunity has an expiration date, and the cost of missing out can be a lot greater than the cost of messing up. He understood that if people are going to learn things, they're going to mess up from time to time. It's going to take them a while to learn how to do the job. But if you were willing to take a risk, if you were willing to try, he would often reward you for that effort. I'm afraid that sometimes in life we're afraid of messing up. And we miss out on the opportunities that are ours. And here's the quote. The opportunity of a lifetime has to be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. However, distractions. Distractions can also come in the forms of opportunities. You see, there are a number of good things that can be accomplished that might actually be a compromise to the purpose of God in your life. There's a lot of good choices that we could make in life. A lot of good choices on whether, what college to go to. There's a lot of good choices out there. But finding God's will and God's direction. You see, an opportunity needs to be seized. But it needs to be the opportunity that God leads us to. Therefore, I want to encourage you to seek first the kingdom of God, to put him first in all the decisions of your life. Distractions can also come in the form of opportunities. If you're blessed financially, there are many opportunities for things to do with your time, your talent, and your resources. But are those opportunities actually leading you closer to a relationship and an intimacy with God? Are those opportunities actually providing you an opportunity to be a salt and light in your world? You see, if we're going to make a difference for the kingdom of God, we need to throw off everything that hinders. What is standing in the way? What is keeping you from the purpose of God? Let us throw off everything that hinders. What are the distractions in your life that make keeping you from running an effective race? It occurs to me that fear can be a distraction in many of our lives that keeps us from running an effective race. You see, if we allow fear to keep us from fulfilling the purpose of God, then, well, we become immobilized and paralyzed by the fear. And there's a lot of reasons we have fear. If I share my faith, what will they say? And so we find that sometimes fear is a distraction that can keep us from the purpose of God. Why is it that some people are energized by fear and others are paralyzed by fear? I have a video clip that I want to show you. It's kind of not typical for a Sunday morning worship service. But it's pretty dynamic and exciting and it helps make my point. So join with me in watching the greatest, the world's largest rock swing. This. <laughs> the question is, what, in, what energizes some that paralyzes others? Why is it that fear energizes some but it paralyzes others? And the issue is an issue of trust, isn't it? Do I really trust the Lord to allow Him to help me to fulfill the purpose of God? Do I trust Him? Do I trust? Don't worry, I'm not going to jump off the platform. <laughs> the first service, everybody said, I thought for sure you were going to jump off that platform. I'm not sure that would be appropriate for worship. Although for an NYI convention once, I did jump off of a platform and swing into the audience. And I'll tell you that later. <laughs> but the question is, what is it? That, why is it that fear paralyzes some and energizes others? You see, the issue is an issue of trust. A trust in God. You see, our God is bigger than the Goliath of your life. Our God is bigger than your problems. You know, God can accomplish more through your availability than you could ever accomplish in your own strength. It's an issue of trust. So we. Find that fear is one of those struggles of life. It was FDR, FDR who said in his inaugural speech, the only thing that we have to fear is fear itself. In times of transition, in times of change, we, we tend to fear. We, we question, Lord, what is the purpose? Why, why, why are we doing these things? And we have all, and we have all these fears. But really, isn't it an issue of trust? Trust in God? It was actually Francis Bacon who said those words, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. And Roosevelt repeated it later. Francis Bacon said this in a tribute, in an essay on tribute. He was talking about fortune and change of fortune and how a man with fortitude will not... Be shaken. Whereas a person who is fearful will suffer much by these changes. He referred to fear as an inner enemy and said, Nothing is to be feared but fear itself. Nothing grievous but to yield to grief. As we move forward into the future that God has for us, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can trust him. For the ride. Now just a little backstory On that video. There were seven anchors there. Anchoring those guys down. And two ropes. And two carabiners. And, and it was because of the confidence. That they had in the equipment. That they were able to make those swings. Do you have confidence. In the Lord. And here's just a little side bit, just note of interest. The girl that was kissed at the end of the video, she swang off that rope swing. And then when she finished her swing, her boyfriend lowered himself down and asked for her hand in marriage. And that was the first kiss when they hit ground. It's kind of, kind of a fun story. You see, sometimes fear keeps us from fulfilling the purpose of God. What is the distractions in your life? You might say, you know, I really I, I'm not good at sharing my faith. Is it an issue of fear? Are you willing to trust God? To be obedient to his call in your life, to be salt and light in our world. You see, we have a calling. We we have a purpose. I also found over the years that doubt can be um, a distraction in our faith. We doubt our abilities. We doubt our giftedness. And at times, we even doubt those in authority over us. We all have doubts from time to time. Any Christian who is intellectually honest and reflects on his faith intellectually will have struggles with doubt. However, the good news is, a faith challenged by adversity, a faith challenged through questions, is a stronger faith in the end. Doubt can be healthy if we handle it the right way. Have you ever wrestled with thoughts of doubt? If you're intellectually honest, you'll probably say yes to that question. And yet, as you wrestle with those thoughts of doubt, hopefully you'll find greater insight and intimacy with God who loves you. I also want to point out that doubt is never purely an intellectual pursuit. Like, like it or not, there's always the spiritual dimension to doubt. James deals with this in James chapter 1, verse 5. It says, If any of you lack wisdom, he should ask of God, who will give generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a sea blown and tossed by the wind. Like trusting in the rope, we must come to that place where we trust in God, even with our doubts and even in the midst of our doubts. Are you willing to trust in God? Are you willing to put your faith and your confidence in Him? I didn't think through this very well. There we go. That became a bit of a distraction there. Oh, the message is on distractions, by the way. What are the distractions in your life that are keeping you from fulfilling the purpose of God? Sometimes it's fear. Other times it's doubt. When we doubt, we get all hung up on what is unexplainable. And we lose sight of what is undeniable. We doubt when God doesn't act the way that we think that God should act. Or God doesn't respond the way that we think that God should respond. When God becomes unexplainable to us, it's not uncommon for us to doubt. But when we shift our doubt, when we shift our focus from the things that are unexplainable to the things that are undeniable, our faith will soar, even in the face of unanswered questions. You see, the truth is there are many questions that we will never have the answer to in this life. But when we shift our focus from the things that are unexplainable to the things that are undeniable, Our faith will soar. You know what is undeniable to me? What is undeniable to me is the very fact that we are here, the very fact that we exist. You know, the only alternative to creation is to believe that something came from nothing. But you know what is undeniable to me? That there is a creator God. He created this hand. He created this arm. You know what is undeniable to me? That all of His creation shouts of His glory. You know what is undeniable to me? That all of His creation praises His name. You know what is undeniable to me? That 2,000 years ago, there was a man, His name was Jesus. He walked on this earth. We know he was here because every day we look at a newspaper, we see a date on that paper, 2012, that reminds us of the date of Christ. Everything before Christ was B.C., everything after Christ was A.D. Was I'm a little bit A.D. at times myself. <laughs> you know what's undeniable to me? That Jesus was a carpenter. And he taught in ways that were uncommon. He taught about mercy and justice and love. He came into a world that was in need of a Savior. And they were looking for an earthly king, but he came not as an earthly king, but as a babe in a manger. You know what's undeniable to me? That his teaching was about serving and not being served. You know what's undeniable to me is that his teaching, he told us that the last shall be first and the first shall be last. And since this one man came into the world, our world has been turned upside down. You know what's undeniable to me that he, did not, he died on a Roman cross. We know this because Roman history tells us the story of his death. You know what's undeniable to me is that Jesus Christ died on this cross. But on the third day, the Bible tells us, he rose again. And 12 of his disciples who followed him were eyewitnesses to to the fact of his resurrection. 11 of the 12. And 11 of the 12 died unnatural deaths. Why? Because they believed in a risen Savior. They were eyewitness accounts to the risen Savior. You know, what's undeniable to me that even today... We celebrate Easter every year as a church. Why? Because we serve a risen Savior. And He's in the world today. And if we're not careful, we will allow the distractions of a life to keep us from the purpose of God. What are the distractions in your life? Is there anything that is keeping you from the purpose of God? What are the distractions in your life that may keep you from running an effective race? for Christ. The scripture says, "Therefore, since we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders." Is there anything in your life that is hindering you from being the person of God that he's calling you to be? Is there anything in your life that is hindering you from fulfilling the purpose of God in your life? The scripture goes on to say, "And the sin that so easily Entangles. In the media today. We are bombarded with propaganda. On the good life. Appealing to our hedonistic desires. For pleasure and materialistic gain. But they all fall short. They all fall short. Because there is nothing external. There is nothing temporal. That is capable of meeting our deepest internal needs. You know what else is undeniable? There's a thirst in every man and woman's soul for the things of God. There's a thirst for God that cannot be quenched by the stuff of this world. There's a thirst that cannot be quenched by a relationship. There's a thirst that cannot be quenched by any amount of stuff. There's a thirst that cannot be quenched by religion. There's not enough success. There's not enough money. There's not enough progress to quench this unquenchable thirst. The scripture says, let us throw off everything that hinders. Are there any distractions in your life that are keeping you from fulfilling the purpose of God in your life? Let us throw off everything that hinders, the sin that so easily entangles us. Is there any sin in your life that is keeping you from the purpose of God in your life? And let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. You see, there is no one that can quench the thirsting of your soul but Jesus. He is the living water. So how do we run this Christian faith? How do we turn our fears and our doubts into fuel for brilliance? You see, I I just have this mindset that when we submit ourselves to the purpose of God in our lives, when we say yes to the things of God, (laughs) we find the purpose. Of God. And there's a brilliance there that cannot be accomplished in our own efforts. But when we surrender to God, when we surrender to his will for our lives, when we keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith and not allow the distractions of this world to keep us from the purpose of God, God uses us. To make a difference. So how do we run this race? Verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Young people, keep your eyes on Christ. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He is both our example. Our example written for us in His Word. On how we ought to live. How He served the world. How He knelt and washed the disciples' feet. How he died for mankind. He is our example of grace and mercy. But he's also our companion. He journeys this journey of faith with us. So keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Now that's an amazing word, isn't it? Author and perfecter. Think about your story. Has your story been finished yet? It is being written, even as we speak, your story. Who do you want to write your story? Do you want the world to write your story? Or do you want to trust God to write your story? If you want God to write your story, and if you want to find the purpose for God in your life, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Can you imagine anybody better to write your story. Than the creator. The creator who gave his life for you. And died for you. So that you might have life. And have it to its full. Don't be distracted by the things that. Of this world. Don't be distracted from the purpose of God in your life. Allow Jesus to write your story, the author and perfecter of your faith. You know, if we're not careful, we can allow even people to become a distraction to us in running an effective race. The truth is, if you're looking to me, To be that perfect example. I will fail you. Because of my humanity. I won't do everything right. I am human. I make mistakes. I try my best. I try to submit to the Lord. I try to make wise decisions. According to the leading of the Lord in my life. But I have to be honest with you. I will fail you. If you are looking to a group of people. For them to meet your spiritual well-being, they will always fail you. Because Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. When a person or a group fails to meet your expectations, expectations, what we do is we become discouraged. And it becomes a distraction to us. And if we're not careful, we can allow the distractions of life to derail us from the purpose of God. And God has a purpose for your life, and God has a purpose for my life, individually and corporately. We must keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. I found this scripture in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 4. And I asked to be translated in the NASB Bible. It says, where no oxen are, the manger is clean." Makes sense. If there's no ox, the manger will be clean in the church. If there were no children's in the children's department, if there are no children in the children's department, the carpet would be perfect. But as it is, we have children over there every day of the week, and they love to see the little tiny strings coming out of the carpet because they can pull it. And the faster they pull it, the bigger the hole and I've got a guy over this week spending a week trying to repair the carpet. Why? Because it's fun. <laughs> but if we had no children, we wouldn't have to worry about the carpet. The same is true with the teenagers. You go into the youth center, there's always cords and instruments and microphones, stuff all over the place. And it was the same when I was a youth pastor. Why? Well, if you didn't have any teens, you wouldn't have a mass. And we praise God for the mass. You see, the work of God is a messy business. It really is. Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean. And we're imperfect. We don't always get everything right. It's our humanity, but we do the best that we know to do in listening to the voice of God. And it's okay. It's good. We are instructed in God's Word to make allowances for one another. Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but much revenue comes by the strength of the ox. You see, it's the people of God who are making a difference for the kingdom of God. There are fields that are ripe and to harvest. And we have a purpose individually and corporately. We have a call. And we have to be careful not to be distracted by the stuff of life. Because we have a call, a call that's bigger than us, a call from God. You're a part of that call. I'm a part of that call. And corporately, we are called to make a difference for the kingdom of God. The scripture says, therefore, uh, we are to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. I'm totally lost. I know it's all there. Verse 2, Hebrews 12. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, you were that joy. I always think of Christ hanging on the cross, and I look at this scripture, and I think when he stretched out his arms, he stretched it out for me. And you could write your name in there. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. Consider Christ who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you do not grow weary and lose heart. Folks, we have a purpose. We are to be his hands and his feet. We are to be His voice. We are to be His arms of love and grace and mercy in our world. We have to be careful not to be distracted. Is there anything in your life that is keeping you from running the race? What are the distractions in your life that may keep you from running an effective race? Let us pray. Lord, we thank You for the purpose of God and the people of God as we move forward in these days ahead we need your anointing your blessing your unifying spirit you see you called all of us to serve you are our example but you are also our companion Lord, there are times that we we struggle with issues of distraction in our lives. It may be fear or doubt, having and having not opportunities. But Lord, help us not to be distracted by the stuff of this world. But help us to keep our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. And now, Lord, for this congregation, I pray that you would help them to be obedient to your call. That you will help them to be a people who say yes to the author. And they will say yes to your writing their story. And we ask all this in your name. Amen. God bless you. I hope you know you're loved. God bless you. You're dismissed.